This season covers an abduction and murder that occurred in Middleburg, Florida in January of 1990. It's a true story and I have relied heavily on public documents and interviews with family and people close to the investigation in order to tell it. As always, the credibility of the interviewees, as well as my own credibility as I relay the information that I have gleaned, is to be determined by you, the listener. Everyone is presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. While 43-year-old Highway Patrol Trooper Timothy Scott Harris was raping 43-year-old Lorraine Hendricks, he repeatedly called her by his estranged wife's name, Sandy. The last moments of the former beauty queen's life had to have been utterly horrific, certainly juxtaposed against the otherwise normal day that she'd begun only hours earlier. On a Sunday in March of 1990, the fourth to be exact, She'd gotten up early because she was headed out on a seven-hour drive from Jacksonville to Fort Lauderdale in Florida. She was also at a time in her life when she was about to end her marriage. So I imagine that weighed heavily on her mind as she navigated her 1982 silver Honda Accord down on 95, her headphones on, perhaps to distract her from both a tooth that had been bothering her and her crumbling marriage. Trooper Harris pulled her over because of those headphones, but instead of giving her a ticket, he ended up driving her to a remote area and raping her before strangling the life out of her. It was a jarring end to the life of a woman who had coincidentally been a model on a campaign poster for the Florida Highway Patrol in 1971. The poster read, Arrive Alive. Another interesting piece of backstory to this crime is that Trooper Harris had met his own wife after pulling her over for a traffic violation. The marriages of both these people were falling apart at exactly the time that their lives intersected. And it's hard not to think that the trooper was reliving how he met his own wife for the first time as he brutally attacked Lorraine Hendricks. According to Harris's confession, when he pulled Lorraine Hendricks over, the topic of their similar marital issues had come up, and it's likely what triggered his already hair trigger. It's been documented that he was harassing his estranged wife around this time as well. Just like Terrell Orchid's case, Lorraine's body was not found until days later, five days in her case. Also like Terrell's, Lorraine's car was found abandoned alongside I-95 with her possessions inside. Her car also showed no signs of trouble and had not run out of gas. So their original theory on that case was that she may have been taken by someone she knew or a police officer. Harris was sentenced in September of 1990, about eight months after Terrell's murder. And with the amount of media publicity, something like a Florida Highway Patrol trooper murdering a motorist would garner, I think it's clear why the stories around Terrell's case also veered into the did a cop do this territory. Obviously, the police decided that they needed to rule him out, and Detective Schoonover told me that they did get his DNA and rule him out on Terrell's murder. Another similarity to Terrell's case was the fact that they had so little physical evidence, and the state attorney admitted that at the time. Harris pleaded no contest, first-degree murder, and the judge accepted that plea, 
and sentenced him to life with no parole until at least 25 years, with a stipulation that Harris had to give up his right to appeal his conviction. Prosecutors feared that if they tried him in front of a jury as a death penalty case, the lack of evidence would eventuate the death penalty being turned over on appeal. The family agreed to the plea because they wanted it over, and I don't blame them. I don't think a lot of us understand that, but a jury trial is really taxing on family and friends. I do find myself wondering if this was the first time Timothy Harris had pulled a woman over and made sexual advances. I wonder if there are other women out there that got away, or women who didn't. I wonder whether it's possible that he had killed before that day in March of 1990, and there are other unsolved crimes associated with him out there that we just don't know about. In an earlier episode when I was referring to him, I had said offhandedly, he didn't kill anyone before March 1990, while explaining his crime within the timeline of Terrell's January 1990 murder, and what the public would have known relative to a possible cop murderer out there, but now I'm not so sure. Maybe he did. Not Terrell, but someone else. So I've sent a FOIA request for her file. I may cover Lorraine's case fully in a future season. I think studying the details of these cases is important because I think it's how we connect the dots with other crimes. I want to make sure there aren't any more dots. I mean, there are untold dots out there and it's up to us to see if they connect or they don't. And speaking of dots, here's another one. And I'm wondering whether it might connect back to Terrell. Are you sure it was a 7-Eleven brand? Are you thinking it just was a convenience store and it could have been any... It was a convenience store. Gotcha. I okay. thought it was a 7-Eleven. That, I, I could be mixed up on that. But I know as soon as you turn, when you turned left and you went past Winn-Dixie, there was a convenience store Okay. Uh, on the right-hand side. And so I stopped there. I got out. I kept going. The area she's describing here, I think, is where that Minute Mart was that Detective Schoonover mentioned in Terrell's case. This was the first piece of information in her story that raised my curiosity, because she would later tell me that she stopped there before continuing on down 218, just like Terrell may have. It wasn't too long before my car started going out. I were on the right side. Mm-hmm. Um, I got out, and then a man in a small car pulled over in front of me, and I walked up to the, uh, you know, the passenger side, and he was very, very uh, soft-spoken. Um, and he, you know, asked me if, you know, he could help if I wanted a ride. And um, I wasn't sure because, you know, I, I, I really didn't want to get in the car with someone. And the car was very small. There was only two doors. So when you sat in the back, there was no way to get out because he offered for me to get in the back seat. And... Um, 
I wasn't sure, and he said, well, you can hop up here with me. It seems like he said that. And um, I got in, and I told him I need to go back to the 7-Eleven so I can call my dad. And um, he said, okay. And he started driving, and he wasn't turning around, and he was talking. He ended up starting to talk about things, not listening to me. I kept saying, you have to turn around. You need to turn around. I'm going back there. And he was going on and getting louder. It was like he wanted to be angry. Um, and he was talking about, um, eventually we got two cops. The cops were coming to his work. Um, they were saying that he'd done something to a girl. And um, they better watch out. They better not mess with him. He was getting angrier and angrier and louder and louder. And I'm still telling him, you know, you need to turn around. You know, we're supposed to be going that way. And by then, it was getting a little darker. Um, it seemed like it was so long in the car, but I don't know that it it was. I remember people passing by and thinking they don't know what's going on. They think we're just arguing, like a couple. And um, then once it started, it quickly got dark, and he still yelling and uh, there was a field to right that we turned into um, it just seemed really surreal we turned into it there was just a uh, tall grass straw type and there was two strips for the tires and it's dark now and he's turned into this field and we're driving down into the field it's a big field and in the background it's like behind the field there was a little space where there was a house, which seemed odd because, you know, where I lived, we all had mobile homes, mm -hmm. you know, and trailers. I had seen a lot of houses, and it was a two-story house, which was, it, it just it just stood out. Like, not only was all this happening, and I didn't know what was going on, and I wasn't sure what to do, but there was this two-story house in the background because I could see the lights. And uh, he felt familiar bringing me there, and I'm still... You know, I, I want him to stop, and I'm still quietly saying, you've got to stop. And then I looked at him, and I said, I'm getting out. I'm leaving. And I opened the door, and I remember the ground going with the light, you know, the door from the light, and mm -hmm. it's going by. And I stick my foot out. Oh, my God. And then... It was so strange because it was like all this rage he wanted to have just went away and it just shut off. And he looked at me and he was really soft-spoken again and he just said, okay, that was it. He still didn't stop um, totally. I had to jump out and I walked through the field and it was, it was really dark. I walked through the field and I didn't want to turn around, but I turned around one time. And all I could see was it was creepy because it was like that picture movie on the on the cover. All I could see was he had a little light on in his car, and he was face parked away from me. And I could see his eyes and that part of his face in the rearview mirror. Uh. And he looked he looked furious, and he you could see the wheels turning in his head. And so I I just normally walked to the road because I didn't I felt like I shouldn't run. Um, and then by the time I got to the road, he had driven up 
next to me, and I went left back towards a 7-Eleven or whatever it was, and he went right. Um, and I walked back to the convenience store, passed my car, and called the police. And they didn't come. And so since they didn't come, I called my dad, and my dad came and picked me up. Um, my dad thought that he had driven me down towards um, the junior high school that I went to, or had went to. Um, that was the area. Um, I know I was really close to Blanding because as we drove the, the street that I was going to, we passed it. And I remember thinking, oh my God, we're passing this place too. Now I don't know where we are. Um, I do know that while we were driving, I kept turning around and looking at the car. Um, I kept trying to see what was in the trunk. I just had the feeling there was something in there that I, he was going to use. I don't know why. Um, so I kept looking at the back seat. Um, I saw the tools. They were all new. Um, just these farm tools that were still in packages. Everything was very, very clean, like wiped down. Um, you could see into the trunk from the back seat, but I couldn't see into the trunk from where I was. It was also odd that he didn't fit into the car. He was so big and the car was so little. Oh, that's interesting. So, <clears throat> do you, yeah. um, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm just, um, well, f finish, tell me what you remember and then I'll ask a few questions based on what you just told me. But so you, what, well, what kind of car was it? What, what do you know? The make model, the type of car? It's only a two seater. You said right yeah. in the front. Yeah. Um, well, it had a back seat. It had two doors. It had a back seat. Okay. Um, I looked at the car. I looked up the car. Let me get it for you. Um, so what I, what I felt it was, was a Chevrolet Chevette okay. in the 70s. All right. Um, and you can see when you look at the car, especially the two-door ones, mm -hmm. and I found one picture of the four-door, and it has the trunk open. And you can see how the back seat, there's no, there, there, the trunk, you can see into the car, the, the tr sorry, you can see into the trunk from the back seat. Okay. Um, but this was a two-door one, so you had the two seats, and then when you got into the back seat, it was very small, and you were trapped in there. That's why I didn't get in the back seat. Uh, there was no way. What color there was, was no the way to car? Get out. What color was the car? I wish I could remember what color. I don't remember it being a bright color. Okay. I would have remembered a bright color. I can tell you that the inside of the car... Now, this is from my recollection because I remember looking at the back seat. It, it wasn't a white. It was like a tan mm -hmm. is what I remember, more of a brown tan. And it was that shiny, you know, uh, I don't know if it's Naugahyde or plasticky kind of stuff they had. And it was very wiped down. Everything was very wiped down. That didn't seem right because he obviously has tools and a lot of country boys, their cars have, you know, grass and dirt and stuff in it. His was very clean. So tell me what he looked like. Tell me what he looked like. He was, um, he had, I just remember noticing his arms were very long. His legs were very long. He had brown hair, uh, more of, if not dark brown, more of an auburny brown. Mm -hmm. He had the same color mustache. He had blue eyes and he was white. He had a puffy brown jacket on, jeans, and the trucker hat. 
Um, basically, what I wrote as far as his description, you know, I mean, he was he was a big guy. He had to be six feet. His head came to the top of the car sitting, and he had long legs. Mm-hmm. He had lighter brown hair and blue eyes. His hair was not long, and he was shaved close. It was like mid-length style that all the guys had. Um, he was not fat. He was just big. Um, he was white. He wasn't tan. He didn't notice acne. Um, he didn't have a moon-shaped face. You know, he didn't have anything that stood out. Um, he had a more of a kind of an oval face is what I remember. Um, there was nothing that, you know, even his nose, it wasn't big, it wasn't small. I, I think it was more straight. Um, regular chin. I would say mid-twenties, you know? Um, and he knew the area, and he wasn't a cop. Yeah, I, I, I don't think in Terrell's case it's probably not likely a cop either for a number of reasons. But so for the moment you got in the car, when, when you were stopped and he pulled in front of you and you um, he picked you up, how far do you think you drove before he pulled off into that grassy two-lane, two-track that was le- leading toward a house in the distance? I can only tell you that if, if I get out a map, I can tell you uh, better. I'm not good at judging distances. Okay, yeah, all. me neither. Me neither. Um, I know that, yeah, when I got in the car, it was, I remember looking at the sky and thinking, ooh, I want to get back there because it's going to be dark soon. Dusk was just starting. And by the time we got to the, um, or it was, it was coming, it was, it was about dusk. And then by the time we got to the field, it had all of a sudden, I remember thinking how quickly it got dark. Then it was nighttime. So, you know, we drove for a little while. We drove, we drove for a little while, but it was definitely, I think, probably towards J.L. Wilkinson Middle School where he turned off to the right. Okay. There isn't that many houses, and I don't know that there's especially that many houses that are, that are two-story set back like that. I would think that someone would know that house. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'll definitely get on Google Maps tonight and pull up Google Earth and, and go hunting because it's e- pretty easy to look up places like that. And just go in that direction because it's west is what you're describing and where you wanted him to take you was east, back in the direction of where the what was exactly. what was there was actually a Jiffy store. If I'm guessing, there was a Jiffy store oh, right on Mimosa, yeah. right on Mimosa, and then there was another one up at I think Blanding and 218. There was another. There was two Jiffy stores and then a Minute Mart or something. So one of those is where you would have okay. stopped. Is, I, believe. I, I think it was the first one because I needed to stop and get something. So the first one I saw, I turned into. And where I was going, I wish I knew it was past Mimosa. The street I was going to was a few streets past, um, it on down the way to the left. And, and that's where I was heading to. So I wouldn't have gotten too far. Right. How far away from Mimosa were you? From the, from the 7-Eleven? From when your car stopped, how far from Mimosa were you? Do you think? I don't know. I, I have no idea where I would, because now I would need to look at a map. Yeah. Because it's been so many years. Now, when I had the map out, uh, like, a couple months ago, I could tell where I, where I was, but right now I, I couldn't tell you. It was past Mimosa where I was going, um, but I don't remember how. I was, I'm sure I was close to Mimosa. Yeah. It seems like that, that pops. But I would like to look at a map to really get an idea before I... Yeah, you could always you know, like look at one, put a little pin, uh, a little dot, and send me a screenshot or something at some point. That's fine. Oh, absolutely. But I think we're talking yeah. in the same general vicinity for sure. Um, 
Now, so the house was set way off, obviously, because the long two-track went, to, you know, so we're basically looking at something that had a big, it was off the road far, fairly well, you know. Um, it almost looked like it was separated. It almost looked like there was a field and then there was a tiny yard and then a house. Okay. All right. But you saw no road cutting through there, like another tiny offshoot or anything. It was just all field and then a little yard and then house. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it was a separated out field, and um, you know, it. I'm certain now it would look different, but there wasn't. It wasn't like it was tended to. This was like long straw grass, almost something you know you'd let your horse go in and eat. It was. It was long grass, but not like the green kind. It was straw, just sticking up everywhere. Because okay. I remember when I put the door open, the door was hitting the long straw grass, and it was ding, 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 and I would put my foot out to try to get out. Huh. And so you're thinking, you you believe this was 1988, is that correct? Yeah, it was 1988, yeah. In, Around March, you're thinking? February, March, or January, February? It was January, February. I don't remember what the weather was like in Middleburg in March because it's been so long. I can tell you he had a big jacket on. I was getting cold, and I could see my breath. All right, so when around here, it's got to be January, February. Yeah, then it's probably got to be January. Now, do you who was, who came to take the report? Tell me about how that unfolded. You said it wasn't until the next day. What happened there? Um, well, nobody came. They said they were busy. They had traffic things or something, and they couldn't come. Oh. They, they couldn't come. So my dad came and picked me up. I guess what happened, my mom was angry, went to the police station the next day, and I'm certain told them a lot. I imagine and, so. Uh, That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so once she got done, uh, a police officer called me at home and took my statement, which they still have. Uh, did you ever file to get, did you ever get a copy of it? No, I just know that they have it because I've talked to a couple detectives and they do have the statement. Um, so they've kept it. They know that it's significant, but they, you know, right. it's there. Well, it's not there. Or so I've been told. I contacted the records department, and a very helpful woman spoke with a couple different detectives, and nowhere in Terrell's file were they able to locate a copy of this report, which she had assumed they had because this woman called detectives a couple times. In fact, I thought that the plea that they had made online when I read it was based on her report. It said, quote, If you or someone you know was driving in Clay, Duval, St. John's, or Putnam counties, between December of 1989 and January 1990, and someone tried to pull you over, please call the detective and report this information. If you were working in law enforcement at the time and remember investigating a complaint like this, you are also asked to call. So obviously they were looking for cases similar to Terrell's and wondering if there were other similar abductions or failed abductions out there. Unfortunately, when I contacted the record department of Clay County, they said that they'd looked for this report and could not find it. They also noted that because we didn't have an exact date, it would take an exorbitant amount of time, time that I would be charged for, to look through two or three months of records on microfilm to see if they could even locate it. In the end, I let it go because all the information I was getting is that they didn't believe they had it. But I'm sure hoping that the detective himself asked the records administrator to set about that task, no matter how long it was allegedly going to take, because it's entirely possible that it's there somewhere and they should be doing their due diligence in locating it for themselves, never mind locating it for someone like me, a podcaster who's just trying to connect the dots. If I was a detective, I would want to make sure that report wasn't there somewhere. 
The okay. person that took the report was very sweet. He was on the phone. I think he wanted me to get in the car with him and go find the field, but I was so terrified, and nobody tried again in the week. Yeah. You know? But he sounded very young, and he sounded very nice. Okay. So, And I talked to him, like, the next day. So he would have taken the report on a Friday or a Saturday or something. All right. Now, I also want to say here that I have no way of knowing if this woman's case is related to Terrell's case. It might be. It might not be. But it sure did happen in almost the exact same area. And I feel like everyone involved would be better served if we could either rule it out or do our best to find out if there are any details within her story that include threads that can be pulled to further Terrell's investigation. And even if it is not related to Terrell's case, we're still appealing to the same group of people in Middleburg who may have seen or heard something. Something from this woman's story might jump out at you, and if it does, I hope that you'll contact me or you'll contact Detective Schoonover at the Clay County Sheriff's Department. You can find his phone number and email pinned to the top of my Facebook page. I think where Terrell had gone that morning to stop is um, the Minute Mart, which was further up. It was on, I think, 218 in Blanding. Let me ask you this. You said you stopped there first. You stopped for, did you go in to get something? Or were you getting gas? What was going on when you stopped there no, first? No, I, I, went, I went in and got something. Um, is what I think I did. I mean, this was a long time ago. I stopped there. It seems like I remember pulling in, going in and getting something, going out and driving away. And then my car, but like, you know, I drove for a little while. But it also seems like when I was in his car that we passed a store. I could be remembering that wrong. No, so you would have. You would have been that. You would have passed a couple more if you if you stopped at that Blanding one, Blanding in Middleburg, or okay. then the first Jiffy, and then there's a second yeah. Jiffy. So it's very possible, yes. Okay, so in one of those, I definitely stopped, went in, came out, and got back in the car and went going. Um, when, you, when your dad came back to get the car, what was wrong with it? I don't know. Um, I don't know exactly what was wrong with it. It was, it was weird because my dad was a mechanic, so um, somehow he missed something. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what, he took it to somebody. My mom and him took the car and traded it in, and my dad's tough guy and, and my mom said he had just you know tears in his eyes and he was yeah. telling the guy because he knew he knew how close I had come yeah. you know um but I don't know exactly what's wrong with the car it just stopped well and I'm wondering it wasn't are you I mean are you sure it was something mechanical or could it have been something that my question is because there have been other cases like this where there would be a guy waiting at the store like that see someone they want to target like put something in their muffler or does something to make the car stop and then um, that's why it stopped other rather than had you ever had car trouble before no that's what was so strange about it was that my I mean my dad was a mechanic in the Air Force for decades and he was a mechanic before that and he said Shannon I got in it and and it started it just started so oh, it, boy. I, that's the reason why I was so caught off guard because my dad always I mean if anyone's car was going to run it was going to be his daughter's you know right in my sister's car yeah and and it was just such an odd thing that he was able to drive away with the car it wouldn't start before that's troubling because um you know it's also possible that uh someone had targeted terrell from where she stopped at the minute mark so if you're talking about that's oh, a yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah. So if there's a, I mean, we can't say for sure they're linked, but and we can't say any of these right. are facts. But they all could have happened. You know what I mean? These are things that could be similar. They they only have one witness that they think might have that thinks they might have seen Terrell that morning around that time frame. That's maybe have gotten stopped and get cigarettes and then went on her way. I will say that one thing that I'm sure of is that I was his first try. I could just feel it. Like this guy was trying this. I think I was his first try. He didn't quite know what to do when I left. He was angry, he was thinking, and I don't think that he was going to let the next girl get away. I think that's what was going through his mind. How can I make sure that the next one does not walk out of my, my, my car? Because this guy was, he wanted to do something really bad. He, this was a plan. Yeah. This was something that he really wanted to get done. So I just always thought that he would be doing this. You know? Yeah, it's um, it's, it's very scary what happened to you. I mean, I, just you telling me the story was so compelling because imagining myself trying to jump. I don't know if I would have been brave enough to jump out of a car while it was moving. That was scary enough, and you did that. When you did that, when you jumped out of the car, obviously he was headed in the direction of that house. If he knew it or not, right. I don't know. But then he had to turn around, right? And then he, he, you said he went right and you went left. Did he follow yeah, right behind he, you? Oh, well, no, he, when I was walking through the field, I turned around the one time and saw him, and he was parked away from me. Like, he kept driving into the field and parked while I was walking away. By the time I got through the field, he drove up next to me when I was at the, when I was at the actual oh. road. And then, he, and then he just simply turned right, and I turned left, and I walked, and he drove. That was it. So, I, I mean... It was terrifying having to pull up next to me, but man, when he drove, I was just so happy. It, I was so happy to be walking down that road away from him. I bet. But no, he didn't do anything else. You know, he just drove away. He looked at me one last time and he left. That house, I don't know that that was his house. He left, but he knew he could be in that field and that nobody would question him. He knew he could take a girl into that field near that house and do whatever he wanted and nobody was going to come out and check. I hope that house is still there. So we're talking a, a two-story. What color did you say it was? Uh, well, it was dark. Oh, All I know was I, it, I remember it being two-story because that's what was so strange about it. It was a two-story and the lights were on. I hope it's still there because if we can find it and we can look at find out the address, we can track uh, past owners and see who was living there maybe. You know what I mean? At what times and if he would have well, known, you know. Right, and there was a woman that I was talking to. I, I think that what she, I, I don't think the, the guy that she was talking about has got, I know he's not the one who did it, but she, I remember when I was talking to her quite a while ago, um, she said, oh, yeah, that house, I remember that house. I think that people remember that home because it was because it was a big home. There wasn't homes and big homes in that area. Everybody had a trailer or a mobile home. So I'm sure if you talk to somebody, who was from back then, especially young back then, they'll know the house. All right. I just don't know it because I wasn't in Middleburg. I didn't stay there. I had friends out in Orange Park. And when you talk to police, yeah. obviously they have that house now. They have that information about that house because you probably put that in the court, right? Um, I don't know that I did or not. I mean, I I remember telling them who picked me up and we, we that we drove into a field. But again, I don't think they believed me. I think he was only he was only taking that he was very very nice, but in my opinion he was only taking this because my mom went up there and raised hell. I don't think they believed me 
took all the report, but whether I don't remember talking to him for a long time. Put it that way. I told him what happened. I was kind of traumatized the next day. Nobody ever called back to, to follow up. So all they have is that blurb. Nobody right. called back to say, okay, let's go over where you were at. Now, I don't like having to point stuff like this out, but I think when you have things like a report going missing or perhaps never being taken in the first place because we have no record of its existence, and then you have a victim who says that she's not sure she was being taken seriously by law enforcement, I think you can see how stuff like that could come back to bite another victim in the ass one day. Let's say these cases are related. Obviously, we're not sure, but what if they are? And now we have no paper report to go back to to scour for possible commonalities. The whole point of documenting crimes is so that there's a paper trail to go back to in the event that you need it. I mean, what, what's the point otherwise, really? This woman says the officer didn't even come to her. He called her on the phone to get a statement. And that might only have been because her mother went in and raised a little hell. And God bless her for that, you know? There's a lot that troubles me about this situation, not the least of which is how possible information in a homicide case may as well have been flushed down the toilet because an alleged failed abduction was not properly documented. Now, this woman and I carried on a conversation over the next days and weeks via phone and text and email. And what happened as a result of those conversations is that she began having more and more memories of the event coming back to her. Memories that were not only more detailed, but suggested that, unfortunately, more had happened to her physically than what her initial story to me had told. She had told me that there felt like there were huge gaps in the action that she was describing, things that didn't make sense. And an awareness of that seemed to be what triggered these memories to start flooding back. I imagine this was awful and scary for her. And it's not like we haven't seen this before. There are other cases documented that had this same situation. I believe that the body has a way of shutting down as a means of self-preservation in traumatic situations like this, where we often see victims begin to recover memories once the floodgates open. I feel so silly because... Um... You know, I've had things come up in the last day or two, especially yesterday, that I didn't remember at all. So, <clears throat> things went a little differently than I thought. We went a different direction. As I'm talking to people and as I'm going over this, I'm getting these flashes of memory. Um, what happened was uh, he did something to me in the car while we were driving all right i don't know if we over but he had already started trying to sexually assault me uh touching me trying to put his hands down my pants uh Uh, i don't know what else he did because that's still blank but i had my suspicions because there was this i mean we're talking two two and a half miles that i didn't remember so um no it's okay Um, so finally what I remembered was um, there on Medford is where um, I saw the light I remember driving through past the cop light we kept going past that which light now which light you remember driving through past there was a blinking caution light and I'm pretty sure because somebody mentioned this uh, the, the woman who lives there will probably know the blinking caution light I'm pretty sure was at Mallard and Blue Jay okay I'm bringing By up then, the map so I can look at it as we talk alright so you, okay 
That yeah. way I'll be oriented. Yeah. Okay. So Mallard is yeah. on the left side if we're driving west, and then Blue Jay's on the right. Is that it? Yeah. Okay, go exactly. ahead. Exactly. That's what somebody told me where it was, so I'm basing this on that. Okay. So we come to the, the caution light, and it's blinking, and I had pushed his hand away. I kept pushing his hand away, and then we just drove in silence um, after all that. We go through the caution light. I cannot remember exactly how far we went, but we didn't go a long, long ways. I mean, it could have been a quarter mile or less. It could have been, you know, quarter mile, give or take, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, then, because I was watching his arms so much, that's why I remember his arms started turning left. It was turning the wheel left. We went into a, it wasn't a main dirt road. It was one of those little side dirt roads. Uh, I don't know if Jacaranda's it, but picture Jacaranda, that tiny little side dirt road. Yeah, I can see it on the map, yep. Yeah, we turned left, and of course I'm really panicking because I know something's going to happen. And I was telling myself, we have to stay on 2-8, we have to stay on this road. So once we turned left, I'm freaking out, and we keep going. We did not immediately turn right, but we didn't uh, stay on that road for very long at all. Then we turned right, and there was the little driveway path, you know, the, with the two strips. And what it was was you went through, it, it brought you to the back of a property. Now, that might have been the very back of the property, um, but that's where it was going, was this property. Now I remember there was the two-story structure. I mean, at the time I said it was a house. And I remember just vaguely there was other structures back there. Because I told my dad later, and he kind of brushed off, I told him maybe there is a horse trailer back there. Because it's shaped like a trailer. I and mean, you had horse trailers, you had trailers, you had mobile homes. So I think there, there might have been a tiny light somewhere, but nothing that really caught my eye. I can tell you in Middleburg at that time, you did not drive on anyone's land, especially at night, unless they were family and you knew that they would be okay with you being there or that they weren't there. This was family. I mean, he felt incredibly comfortable on this property. So this wasn't like a friendship or, you know, someone that he just knew. This was somebody he, he went over there. Um, when, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was, <laughs> you heard me breathe in. I'm looking at the map here. Okay, so you, if, if let's say it's Jacaranda, because that's probably, you know, there's a big, a lot of, you know, you would go left on Jacaranda, and then it would be somewhere in there, because then you'd come to a, you'd have to turn left to right on what's called Muscovy Road. Um, that's so, way so down there. You don't think you went that far, so it's somewhere on Jacaranda, we thinking. I, yeah, we didn't go immediately right, but it wasn't very far at all. So, I mean, we certainly didn't go down to Muscovy. Um, what I can tell you is that when I got out of the car and I started walking, it never made sense. Why didn't he get out and grab me? Um, there must have been, he must have known who was there, where they would have been at, and what they would have heard. And when I was walking out, I can't say that I saw it. 
for some reason, I feel like there was an outline of a home or a trailer to the left of me over the street. That's okay. what I felt. And I kept thinking, why aren't I, maybe I should go to these places, but I knew he was right there and he could grab me at any time. The other thing that, that made it all kind of confusing was I kept thinking Caddy Corner and what road did I run across. I think what I did was I walked, I didn't want to take the regular way out. So I went across this little road and what Caddy Corner was, was I went through the woods, Caddy Corner. And because I didn't want him to see me, so I was walking quickly through the woods over everything. I came down to 218 and I ran across 218 to the other side and started walking back. That makes sense because even when I was looking at that one, remember that one I showed you on Nolan? It wouldn't have been the front yeah. you would have you would have approached it at. You would have had to approach it yeah. at the back. And what I thought to myself is she may have walked Caddy Corner to the street and that's how she got you know what I mean? Made that left. Is yeah. that she made that makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. That's what I remember and, and I know something happened on the trip because I went home and I'd forgotten. I went straight home and got in the shower and just scrubbed. Mm. And I mean, I felt disgusting. So I knew, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew something was going to happen. And then I had to get back to 218. That's why I didn't stop in any of the stores. Because I walked by that store. I mean, like 10 minutes or more, I, I walked by the store rather quickly. And I didn't go there either. I just stayed all the three, it was like three miles or so. Yeah. And I walked all the minute mark. And he never dro drove back by you on the other way, right? He never came back by you like... I didn't see him. When, when, when he came up to me, he looked at me, and, he tr and then he looked away and turned right, and I turned left, and I went into the woods. Um, so he, yeah, he was going the other direction. Now, you might be able to go the other direction and get back to that property. Oh yeah, it because it's a. It looks like it's a square, not a perfect square block, but it looks like it's a square. So there, I, I just looking. I'm looking at the overhead now. Even if you went all the way down to Muscovy, you could uh, he could make a right and then turn back around. It, he may have been able to get in there. What I'm going to do um, later on tonight or tomorrow is I'm going to look up all the addresses of all these houses and see what was there when and not and get an idea. Now these aren't fields. These are there's there's some that's part that might be a field, but there's a lot of trees here on these. Well, I remember now well, there was the field, but now that I'm remembering, when I walked out of the field, there was trees to my left, and that's why I thought there was a house, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, and there's a couple patches that look like could have been empty. There's a few patches in here that could have been empty, so I'm going to try to see... Um, do you remember him saying anything like, you know, and I'm, yeah. first of all, I'm so sorry that this is bringing up these memories because I want you to understand that that's very common. I, I was just recently listening to, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the Keepers, but it's about um, abuse uh, in, the, um, in the Catholic Church of this, uh, this actually was about a murder of a, a nun, but they, it brought out this whole story about these priests that were abusing the girls at school. And these girls were people that did not remember almost any of this some of it until it started coming back to them and then what you're describing to me is exactly the same experience they had where you start talking about it and then you're remembering pieces so that's very you know don't feel bad about that because that's very very common well i'd only had
had that happen one other time in my life, and because when I was I was abused by a teacher, I was like five and six, oh and that's why I kept being so suspicious over this area that my my mind would trail off. That I wouldn't want to remember. This is okay. I'm almost curious what happened because I'm so curious about him. Yeah. And how I reacted, I can't remember how I reacted. I just remember shooting his hand away. But the, he wasn't prepared for me to get out. He thought he had control. And what I remember him saying, I remember him, he, I kept talking and talking about he needs to turn around. And eventually he said, we're not turning around. And that's when everything got quiet. When he finally told me, like, no. We're not true. And I knew, I was like, oh my God, here, oh shit. You and know? it may have also and fallen in, in the time period where he's trying to touch you and you were clearly fresh, like um, traumatized, you know what I mean? And so your mind just like yep. shuts off for a minute and you're trying to think in your head, what am I going to yep. do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know? Yeah. yeah, you can't believe where you're at and then yeah. you're trapped in there. So, um, you know, it, there could have been more that he said. In fact, I think there was. But eventually we just stopped talking and I knew that we were going somewhere. Like he, I could feel that he knew where he was going. So I think that it, I think that this was, if not his place, he was pretty young for it to be his place. I think it was a family member's place. I, I really, really do because at 25 he wouldn't have had all that property, and um, he felt extremely comfortable. And like I said back then, Middleburg was an odd place. You could be shot for, for driving onto somebody's, you know, property. At oh, that yeah. Time if they didn't. So, um, yeah, it, definitely a family member. He knew who was there. He didn't want me screaming in the field, for sure. And that's why I got away. Yeah. So you're pretty confident as far as it did. It, you turned um, pretty close after that, the flashing light then. Um, I would say it, not, um, I don't know the distance. I would say a, a quarter mile, give or take. I mean, it wouldn't be shocking if we went a half mile. But um, I just, I've always remembered his arms turning the car left, but I couldn't make sense of it. It was like this vague, vague memory. So I'm sure we went left. And it makes sense that we went left. And I, I do remember... You know, once I started remembering that, I remembered this little tiny road. It was a side road, and we had those little roads there, and they were so dark. There was zero light at all. Right. So, you know, so it was a good place for him to take me. But there wasn't like a, you don't remember a mailbox at the end of that two-track road? It was so long ago. Um, I'm wondering if, you know, there could have been a mailbox. I think that at that point, I remember that the name of, okay, I do remember this. The name of the street was not a prominent name that you heard a lot. Because, you know, there were so many little dirt roads, the kids would always say, I live on Mallard. I live on, you know, you would always hear these one main road right. where people actually live. This was not one of those roads. It was this different name that I had not heard. Because I looked at the street, I knew to look at the street sign when I was leaving. I wanted to know where we were. Right. And it was not one that I'd ever heard of. Yeah, and that makes sense that it would be this Jacaranda, too. I mean, it, it's so, um, so close to Nolan. It's really where we were looking. You know what I mean? It was so close where you're yes. looking no, at Sparrow yes. and all yes. these. We were looking pretty close to over here. I mean, it's real I would be, close. Yes. 
it's all the Nolan, the Sparrow, the Jacaranda, even over by the boarding kennels, you know, all that. But it, it's not a huge area, but that has to be the area. And I'm pretty sure that they would probably still have the structure if it was a family's uh, farm. They're, they're not going to tear it down and rebuild. You know, it was a decent two-story something. And there was people in the back. There was people in the back. I remember now. There was uh, one trailer, and I could see a tiny light. You know, almost like a big, you know, one of those lights you stick in the wall for the kids? Yeah, like nightlight. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, like that, but a big one. And, and it, was, it was in one of the darn trailers, and I saw it. And in a second, I had to decide, am I going to go this way or am I going out to the street? And I didn't go to the trailer, I didn't go to the barn, and I did not go to the house or whatever that was to my left, which I think there was. I can feel, I can feel how I was there, and there was something to my left, I think. You know, this makes sense. I pulled down to the, I, I've done, I go and look on the street view, so I pull myself, so it's like you're standing on the street. And Jacaranda's sign is, is not like a normal green sign. It's like one of the white ones. And it's a dead end, it says. There's a dead end street. Not only that, but there's like five mailboxes out, out here on the road, which means this is probably where they get their mail out here. There might not even have been mailboxes down there. They're out here. It's a dead end road. So, um, yeah. And generally, those little roads, generally would have the mailboxes on the road because again people didn't want anyone coming down right you know it and even you might even have a box out there where people would put a stray dog you know you, you would put the, everything at the end of the road and then if there was there might have been a mailbox i don't know but i remember a damn sign and i remember the strange name that i had never heard um also i remember when it happened my dad had, it was either like the next day he went and got the car, and it seems like the day after that, it was either Saturday and Sunday or Friday and Saturday, because he had the days off to do to deal with the car. And him and my mom went into town and traded in the car. So, uh, or at least brought it back to the guy. So it would have been at the end of the week, I'm sure, because he, he wouldn't have taken off work. Right. So he might have went and got the car on Friday and then Saturday they went to the place or, or something like that. So I'm going to say the end of the week uh, during the work week because people were coming home from work and I will, I'm, I'm thinking it's sometime in January. But you're right, it could have been the 1st of January or the 3rd or even December 28th, but I, I think it's more January. Okay. So he was learning. The thing no, that the thing that is strange though is Tara was uh, hers was in January of 1990, so this was two years before um, your incident would have been two years before hers, and so right. um, that means you know God knows that there's more in between, and if this is a guy and. You know, I don't know. I mean, he's talking about how the cops came to his house and said, I mean, his work and said that um, he had done something to a girl. So they, he had to be someone who was already on their radar. So we got to, they got to have some sort of record of this guy in some way. Yes, I totally agree. And, and he worked right there. He was, I'm sure he worked right there. It almost seemed like he was coming home from work to me. But um, he definitely was in the area. He was a country guy. He would have worked around the area, you know, doing whatever. And he would there would have been a record. If the cops came to his work, that's what I've been telling people, and I told them then, if the cops came to his work, 
you guys know him. Right. Yes. And he is a mean son of a gun because he was threatening the cops for a little bit when he was talking to me. Like, those motherfuckers better watch it. The yeah, only thing I can think of is if he if he's an outlying town to Clay County. You know what I mean? Like, he works in the area, right. but he lives, and so he, the cops that he was dealing with were not Clay County Sheriff. They would have been another one. I need to find out who would have been the next counties on the, you know, outside of them. That's another thing to, for me to research, too. There might be orange. There's orange, and then there's another one. Yeah, it could be, and it could be that he was traveling to Middleburg and because his family was there, and you know that's where he lived or whatever. Or worked. But he could have yeah, worked he around here, here, you know. Yeah, he might have. He might have. And and if he worked yeah. here, he would still know the whole area, you know. Yeah, yeah, he knew. He knew that farm. I'm. I am sure he'd been to that place many, many, many times. So it looked like exactly. a farm to you, is what you're saying? That area, it looked well, like a farm. I, when I say farm, I mean, they, they had a lot of, it looked like there was a horse trailer in the back. It's not going to be a farm like in other places in the country where there's a farm. Generally, you would have, you don't actually have, like, only very wealthy people there in the, in, you know, wealthy for Middleburg would have the cows or, you know, um, the pasture and stuff. That's, generally, we would have a little tiny enclosure and there might be a horse there. Okay. Or you might have a pig in the back or something like that. Gotcha. So when I say when I say farm, it's just basically you have trailer, trailer, a holding place, you know, somewhere for the animals to run in another mobile. Do you remember what kind of tools they had in the car? That was another thing because this this one tool, I found it one time when I was on this kick one time. Um, it was it went on a hoist, like for big animals. And if you took a bunch of wires and twisted them to just twist and twist and twist, you know, uh -huh. and then looped and then looped it around to where it looked like the breast cancer symbol, right? Like the, the, the they have. That's what it was. I remember that in particular because it was it was strange. And what you do with that, from what I recall, you can hook it onto a hoist and you can lift up a big animal. And all of these tools were new, and they were in the back seat on the floor. Huh. But you're saying that he had multiple tools, and they were, like, newish types of, like, yeah. in packages still? Pack yeah, it was in packages. Like, he could have just gotten them. They were on the floorboard in the back of the car behind my passenger seat. Okay. So, and that, all right. in particular, was uh, it was very specific. It was one of those you're only going to use it for a couple things. It was for big animals. Right. Okay. Oh, that gives me a lot more to look into. I, I'm, I appreciate you doing this because I know it's not easy to have to keep revisiting all this crap. So, you know, I, I appreciate you thinking about it. And... Quick note. She remembered a few more details and I want to outline them for any Middleburg, Florida residents listening. She believes he was driving a two-door Chevy Chevette hatchback with tan interior. And here's one bit of information that she recalled. The vehicle had a panel and a speaker missing behind the driver's side door in the back seat. She believes that the vehicle broke down somewhere before North Coco. While he was driving her around, he yelled about the police coming to his work and making him look bad, saying that he hurt a girl there. She feels that he knew the Middleburg area well, especially around the Muscovy area between each side of Mallard. She feels that that is an area that he may have taken her to.
She also believes that at some point while he was trying to strangle her in the vehicle, a car drove by and beeped their horn and may have seen part of the incident. If any of this rings a bell, I encourage you to contact me on my Down and Away Facebook page or by email at DeckerJenny at gmail.com. That's D-E-C-K-E-R-J-E-N-I at gmail.com. And I can put you in touch with her. I've got a phone number for her and her email address. In the next episode, more from Terrell's sister, Meryl. Stay tuned.